This is our third broadcast in which we are considering the love commandments in Matthew 22. I'll read you the passage again. When the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, you remember uh, in the previous sections of this passage, he had done just that. Uh, They gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, that is somebody who was versed in the Old Testament law, not an attorney as we think of a lawyer today, asked him a question testing him. This was not a question seeking information, but it was a trap. Here's the question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, if Jesus had said one of the nine was greater than the other, uh, one of the ten was greater than the other nine, they could have jumped on him and they could have said, aha, you see, he's demeaning nine of the commandments. So they thought they had him. But Jesus gives them an answer like they never dreamed of, and out of this very uh, uh, poor motive for asking the question teaches us a tremendous truth about God's word. His answer is, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment, or first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, the whole law and prophets depend. Well, he not only gave him an answer, he gave him far more than an answer. He gave us a philosophy of the whole Bible. He told us that our lives and the Bible itself and everything hang on these two commandments. You know, this is a philosophy of life. This is a philosophy of God's word. The Bible is given to tell us how to love God and how to love our neighbor. And that's what life is all about. And that's what the Bible is all about. The man who is a perfect man is the man who perfectly loves God. The man who is a perfect man is the man who also perfectly loves his neighbor. Now, there was only one perfect man who ever lived. Only one man ever fulfilled these two great commandments uh, completely, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But he calls upon all of us to follow him in fulfilling these and to set as our ideal and our goal, even though we'll never attain it in this life, nevertheless, that goal of perfection, be ye perfect, says God, as I am perfect. And here's the way to be perfect. Here's the way to be the perfect man by obeying the two love commandments. Now, these two love commandments are not some kind of amorphous thing. Love in our day is a gushy, sticky, sentimental thing that has no structure, no form, nothing else to it. But in the Bible, love has structure. It is to obey the Ten Commandments by obeying these two commandments. In other words, these two commandments are a summary of the Ten, and the Ten are a summary of all duty in life. And the whole Bible can be summed up in the Ten, and the Ten can be summed up in the Two, so that the whole Bible can be summed up in the Two. The whole Law and Prophets, the whole Old Testament, and of course the New Testament, which was not yet written, could be summed up in loving God and loving one's neighbor. That's why it was given, to teach us how to do that and to enable us to do it. Now you see, the first of those two commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Now, he's not trying to divide up the human being into those three categories, heart, soul, and mind. Some people try to divide man this way. Well, in the parallel passages, uh, uh, which are also uh, of importance, you see, in uh, passages like uh, Luke 7, 30, and so on, uh, and other passages like this, you read other things like uh, with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Strength is not a part of man. I mean, it's just, you know, it's part of his body, but it's not a a section or a chunk or a piece.
peace of man. So what he, he's not trying here in this passage when he talks about loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. He's not trying to divide man into his various parts. And people who come into this passage and try to do all sorts of neat little things with, with dividing up man uh, through these words make a great mistake. What he's doing is piling word upon word in order to get across a point. He's saying, love the Lord your God with all you are and all you have. Give it all you've got is what we say today. It's the same kind of emphasis to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The word all is the key word here. With all you are and all you have, all you've got. Don't love God half-heartedly, but with all your heart, you see. Don't mind love him half-soledly, we might say, or half-mindedly, but love him with all your soul, whole-souledly and whole-mindedly as well as wholeheartedly. Give him everything you've got. Don't put God in a piece of your life or a part of your life or over a few of the things in your life, but put him over all of your life. You should think of God the first thing you think of when you wake in the morning. You should think of God the last thing you think of uh, when you go to bed at night. God ought to be constantly in your thoughts during the day. God ought to be there directing and guiding and ought to be the one whom you seek to please in all that you do and every decision you make all day long. Putting God first, making him the one you love, means putting him in the place of submission uh, to uh, of the one to whom you want to be subject in all of your decisions and all of your living this is the great commandment putting god in that place so that in your worship in your talk in your living of your day uh, in your uh, taking time out uh, to uh, study his word and to pray to him in uh, living for him in the decisions that you make he is the one who permeates all of your thought. You know, there are an awful lot of people today who think that God has to do with only one day of our lives, that God can be relegated to uh, Sunday. That is so false and so terribly wrong that I must just underline that with all the power and all the strength that I've got. The point is not that Sunday, because it's set aside by God as a day in which we worship and serve him and learn from him and get together with his people, Sunday, even though it is set aside, does not make it a special day in the sense that the others are not special to God. It makes it only special in the sense that it is super special. Uh, in the, uh, the Bible, we read about the holy place, and then we read about the holy of holies. I always think of it that way. I think of the whole week and every day as being a day in which we ought to be uh, living in, in a holy fashion, a way that is dedicated to God, a way that is set apart to him. But that Sunday is kind of the holy of holies of the week, where in a special way we focus on the things of God, where we can draw aside from our daily pursuits and, and take the time with God's people to do a number of things together. But that doesn't mean that the rest of the week isn't God's week too. And there are a lot of people who live in a very dichotomized way. No, all of our lives and all of our activities, our jobs, our homes, our decisions, our work, what we do at work, the way we relate to other people, the decisions that we make, all these things are under God. 
It's not that our lives have several pieces of pie of which God is one. It's not like Time magazine, which has a section for religion. No, religion, or our concern about God, covers all the subjects of Time magazine and all other subjects that there might be in the world. God is over them all. And that is what we need to start doing and thinking in our society, to love God with all, all that we are, all that we have. Give it our all. How much do you love God today? When he loved you, he gave all. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for your sins, Christian. You love him in the same way. Oh, Lord, help us to love with all that we are and all that we have, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.